G'day and welcome to Formula Bums. And this week we review the Monaco Grand Prix. With me is Riso, Andy, and Dave. How are you, gentlemen? Going great. Yeah, I'm good. Managing to keep dry. It's very wet, isn't it? It has been wet here and also at Monaco. Well, I, I was going to say, I guess we should talk about the biggest thing that came from Monaco, which mm. is that allegedly we're not allowed to race in the rain yeah. anymore. It's fucking bullshit. What's the point of wet tires? Why? Why do we even have them? We don't use them. They use them for like a couple of laps to dry the track out and throw winters on. They did all start on wets eventually, but that's due True. to the regulations, isn't it? Yes. I believe so, yeah. And then they were like immediately looking to get off them. Yeah. Gasly, I think, was the first to jump. He was. And he went straight to Inters. Yes. There's a lot to talk about, but I kind of want to open up today by talking about Monaco as a whole. So what we think about not just the race, but the track, the event, because in the news at the moment, this was the last year of its current contract, mm. and I believe the FIA and the owners of the Monaco GP are really struggling to come to an agreement. Yeah, it does sound like that from some of the articles I was reading today. Yeah. Yep. Is that because they pay Monaco? Is that at some No, Monaco pays them, so but it's still it's, paying, yeah. But no. it's, it's it's a small amount, I believe. It's not very much. I be, okay, so maybe it's very minuscule, yeah, but I, I do know they're the only ones who aren't paying the the licensing fee that all the others are paying. Mm. So it's like a one set fee. They're not paying that, if anything at all. But I want everyone's individual takes on Monaco, one of the crown jewels of motorsport. I it was okay. It's like as we said, it's a parade. They've just gone even in the wet, not much happened. For for a wet weekend there was yeah, not this the bad drivers crashed. Um but then you just need to if if it is classic and put in the one idea I heard was put classic liveries in for that weekend. It's not so, a bad one. So they like McLaren had the golf livery. Yeah, last year. Yeah, last that was a year. Sick livery. And just get old classic ones so it's like throwback and it's like this is historic. I did last night I was live tweeting the race and I did tweet at McLaren and say, Where's the golf livery at, boys? Can we get that back, please? So I like that idea. Yeah. Mm. So just I don't know, if you're gonna keep it, do something about it. But it's not much of a race. I think the race yeah, the race is generally pretty boring. Quality is where it's at. Quali is phenomenal there when the, everyone's at the limit. I don't know. Can we just have a weekend of like mad qualifying sessions? Like, you know, fastest laps, five qualifying sessions and you get points for, I don't know, pole or something like that. Instead of a race, just make it, you yeah, got to do your fastest lap. Do silly, maybe, you know, throw some gimmicks in there or something like that. Like, oh, I don't know. You can't, probably can't do it, but like a reverse order like track going the wrong way around or something <laughs> like that you know make it interesting in some way to be qualifying laps you know maybe they bring back the bernie eccleston splinker idea and make <laughs> you do a quality lap in the wet but well, we're not allowed to david we're not allowed wow. to race in the wet but they're not they're not racing they're qualifying it's different that's a good point yeah maybe it's like you know you only get one warm-up lap one flying lap you know like vet supercar style top 10 shootout everyone just gets the one lap and you just do it once you get points for the order that you come in or something like that. You know, there's 20 drivers, potentially 20 points on offer. Something like that, just to like mix it up a little bit. Who cares about the race? The race is boring. The quality is where it's at for Monaco, in my opinion. Look, I don't I don't mind either of those ideas. However, however, Andy and I 
have had a change of heart. So, Andy, what's your take on this weekend? They should have raced in the wet. Last night, the first 30 laps was some of the most intense and exciting racing I've ever seen around Monaco. I really enjoyed it. Mm. They should have just let them race in the wet. I was as flabbergasted as Crofty and Brundle that they wouldn't <laughs> let them race. I was like, are you kidding? It's pissing down rain. This is when racing is at its best yeah, in Formula definitely. 1. I don't care about the safety. You're in Monaco. It's dangerous. We give Crofty oh, shit all the time. He deserves it. But he was <laughs> the voice of the people last night. Yeah. He really was. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I genuinely had a change of heart. I unfortunately had to pull out at lap 30 when the red flag came out because I had to get up and go to work this morning. The, but the, it the took, curses of being Australian. I know, right? I, tw- I even yeah. tweeted that because I was yeah. helping Jack live tweet. But anyway... I was sitting there and I couldn't pull my way, myself away from the couch when the racing was on. I was yeah. I was struggling to get up and go to bed. I knew I had to go to bed, but I was like, this is actually entertaining. And then I got up and watched the rest of it this morning after the red flag. I went, this sucks. Go back to the first 30 laps. Stop it at 30 laps. I don't care. That was interesting. That was fun. Bring the sprinkler idea for all I care. Yeah. Do something to keep the track wet. Do we think it's because it's Monaco... Like that amount of rain at any other circuit, they would have probably gone racing. The 100%. fact that it's Monaco and the risk, the, the the track, yeah, like it is pretty sketchy. The best of times, I think, yeah, Monaco. We we were sort of joking about like they don't allow them to race in the wet. I think there is a little bit to it in that regard, but at the same time, yeah, like Andy was saying, it is fantastic seeing them on that limit in the wet. And I think it was uh, Croft, oh no, Brundle mentioned at some point in it. Like the the pedal goes both ways. Like you can go flat out, but you can also take your pedal, foot off the pedal. Like you're really now seeing the drivers at their limits where they are willing to push it. Like you could push it over the limit and crash, or you could back off a little bit and you'd stay out of the walls and you might end up with a better result. It really is down to the drivers at that point. And I can feel it. Like it is a dangerous track, and you can see that. But the, when they're drifting around the corners, and you can see them not going into the corners. Yeah, that was so exciting. And yeah. That, or it just makes me wonder today, if they started it when they were supposed to start it, how many wet laps were we going to... Was it, instead of the 30 wet laps, was it going to be 60 wet laps? Mm. Possibly something like that. My big change of heart, because I know in pretty much every episode I've said, let's just get rid of Monaco. I watched all of the broadcast from all the practices, all the qualifying, and I, I think I was wrong. So... <laughs> Shocking. Jack was wrong. <laughs> this is the only time I'll be wrong this year. <laughs> that and the 50 million other times. Don't worry about it, man. I don't even remember that, so it's not real. But I, the history and how much love every driver had for the track, how much the fans were into it, the unique location is awesome. It shits all over Miami's harbour that they have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's 100%. actually a harbour. It's a yeah. real one. But... Not a not a fan of what they've done though. Is it a portier where they're still they're building those buildings now that used to be ocean? Yeah, just before the tunnel. They did not lose some of, of their view. Not a fan of that. But with all the races that we do have, I'm okay with Monaco being a little bit more boring compared to what we've got if it's the only one. Yep. So if we dip a few of the other street circuity tracks that do become a bit paradey, so Jeddah and I want to say almost Spain can be a little bit parady yeah. up until this year. Yeah, let Monaco be what it is. That is mm. where the heart and soul of all the drivers want to win at. You saw how much it meant to Checo last night. Danny's won it, and it meant the world to him. 
Charles got a very good result in any other race and he was heartbroken. I don't know. It just, I think the Monaco magic got me last night when I was sleep starved at 2am, a couple beers deep, live tweeting with all the community. I did. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Yes, look, the racing wasn't great. Last night, though, was the exception. It was very exciting the whole way through. Even when it did become a parade towards the end, it all became about, well, whose tyres are going to make it? Is there going to be a pass available? And that will they, won't they, was Mm. interesting. And there have been interesting races in the past. There was the one where Ricardo ended up winning and he was down for most of the race on power. Like, to be able to hold that back, I know, like, that era of car was a lot harder to pass in it, but it, it does make it interesting because there is that element of any other circuit, he would have had to retire and he would have been because sw- he would have been swamped. This circuit, he actually had a fighting chance. And so there's a little bit of that, you know, Monaco magic, as you said, you know, it, it comes into it. And so, yeah, I think most years there is something interesting that happens um, to give it merit to be there as a race, but. I, always, I still think the qualifying is the best bit of the weekend, for sure. Undeniably. And we'll, yeah. we'll have a good chat about qualifying, because I'm pretty sure all of us sat down and watched all of qualifying, because yeah. that's that's really where we thought this race would be decided. Yep. Turns out it wasn't, and that was also a good thing. Does anyone else have anything they want to say about the idea of Monaco itself? Yes. Um, Something that was brought up by Brundle, Crofty, basically all broadcasts, to be honest, was the historic wet races at Monaco, 1984, 1996, all these things that make Monaco magic. So why can't we just go to Monaco when it's guaranteed to piss down rain? Whenever that is in Monaco. Bring back Bernie Eccleston's sprinkler idea. Exactly. (laughs) I cannot stress this enough. Monaco is a track that needs to be run in the rain. If you want to make it exciting. Look, I don't know, maybe give it a few more years of climate change and it might be underwater anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Just build it. It'll be a whole tunnel. Yeah. Just tunnel the whole way around the track, and then at one section they have to go on the roof or something. <laughs> <laughs> the DRS is actually on the roof. You have to swipe up the side, activate the DRS, <laughs> get going. It would be carnage. I will, because the race was delayed so much last night. They delayed it originally because of the rain, and they went out and they did a formation lap, and then they red flagged it, and there was a lot going on. What I found super interesting about that is just the absolute chaos that that brought to the grid that we hadn't seen a single drop of rain all weekend had been sunny days even really hot compared to what other monaco's are once those few drops of rain started going in the first hour or two of the race the tires on the rack did more distance than the cars on the track because they pushed the wet ones out everyone got a wet so pulled them back a couple people went dry and they pushed them back out and got on the wets it was incredible the only takeaway I had from that, though, is they highlighted particularly Jos Capitos actually pushing the trolleys himself. Like, he was out there in the rain with his team, mm. getting it all sorted. Jos also brought Ted a banana at one point. Oh, it, it was, <laughs> he is a man of the people. It was, such a, it was such a weird thing where he's talking to this team principal being like, oh, you're out there helping your team. He's like, yeah, you know, like, got to get out there. I'm one of the boys. It's all about everyone putting in the work. Anyway, Ted... I bought you a banana. And Ted's like, I'm not kidding, boys. He's actually just handed me a banana and <laughs> jogged off back into the pit. <laughs> One thing I gathered from that time when everyone's uh, running was the... So well, yeah. One thing I, I gathered from the wet was um, Sky F1 just training their, their new shots that we were talking about last week. The shot in the camera reflecting off people. 
the the other the, <laughs> the other other reflections and like yeah well so that's actually shots. interesting because that is that's what we we're, were talking about just before the podcast started the, the actual race direction for monaco is actually not the usual race direct directors in terms of tv production uh, tv production they have their own in-house and uh, on a gas team that yeah essentially and does i think it. that's part of the argument between the fia and the monaco owners of like the, the racing circuit or whatever you want to call it is that it's their own camera teams it's also their own advertising too like there is still some of the fias like the or the formula one liberty media's uh advertising you like you know your ramcos and your rolexes and all those kind of things but they also have a bunch of other ads that aren't at any other race they're only at monaco and they're kind of like oh we don't really like that because i think it's less control yeah it's less control and i think there was actually something I did read in one article that was, I think it's Rolex is the official partner for like timekeeping, but then there was another watch brand really prominently advertised as well there. It's like, oh, that's a bit of a big no-no. Like you can't really have two competing brands like that so prominently. And I think that's that plays into the argument that they were having between them. So I think in terms of the actual direction of the race and the, the shots that we see on TV... It often is quite different at Monaco um, into the rest of the, the broadcast for the rest of the year. Well, interesting enough, talking about the broadcast itself, in the free practice one, and I think a little bit in free practice two, the shots weren't actually coming through clearly. It was almost like watching it back in the 60s and 70s of having really fuzzy screens. A lot of the onboards weren't, or the transponders weren't working properly, and you're getting these very jarring, flashy images mm. in free practice one. And I think a couple of Sky guys in commentary took a little bit of a dig being like, you know, it's part of Monaco because they have to do it themselves. So yeah, yeah. I know a lot of the actual big production companies who are involved in F1, like we only see Sky because we all watch on KO or Oddstar or Foxtel, but there is seven but or they eight. Get, they all get a world feed. They all get the world feed. Yeah. But there's seven or eight big international broadcasters mm. there because on Brundle's pit walk or tr- what a grid walk. Yeah. Yeah, grid walk. First of all, I know it's a very popular segment. I don't care for it. It's just so <laughs> Brundle is so crisp and polished in commentary and it's just it's almost breaking the fourth wall too much to see this man get bumped and jostled on the grid. That's uh, what I like about it though. He is <laughs> a bit like he bumbles his way through and he just he can be straight to the point and very direct and like yes but in between those segments it's him going up to people and they're like we don't want to talk to you he's like yeah well talk to me and sometimes it's absolute badassery other times you're just watching sort of granddad get bumped around in the shopping <laughs> trolley a little bit I just it's really jarring from how crispy he is in commentary to yeah just watching this man get tried like, and of course there's some people on there who are brilliant like Patrick Dempsey was there I don't really know anything he's done. But he turned around, grabbed the mic, and was just like, I'm stoked to be here. I love racing. The Ferrari boys are looking. He spoke beautifully. Another point to that was the bodyguard that uh, was trying to push Brundle away from, I think it was Patrick Day. Yes. And he was like, well, what's, is this your first time on the grid? How do you find it? Trying to interview the bodyguard <laughs> while the bodyguard's trying to push him yeah, out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Only for Patrick to turn around and be like, no, I'm going to talk to you. How are you doing, Martin? Yeah. And Patrick, then, brilliant. And then said, I'll see you in Le Mans in two weeks. Well, I'm pretty sure that's because I, I think I do recall Patrick Dempsey has actually been involved in a fair bit of racing himself. Like he's not just a, a celebrity that turns up to races. He actually, I believe, may even have raced himself. I'm gonna, Porsches. He's yeah. in like 
either Porsche GT teams or yeah. something, but I know he's a Porsche driver and he's raced. Yeah. I don't know if he raced earlier that day at Monaco. Yeah. But he, yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a racer. Right. It's, he's not just a celebrity. I'm pretty sure if I'm thinking Patrick Dempsey, he's like Grey's Anatomy, right? I think. That's right, yes. Yeah, he's like the doctored bloke in that. Yeah, he's gorgeous. I don't watch shit TV. <laughs> I don't <laughs> either, but I've just seen the ads. I specifically <laughs> only watch shit TV. The trashier, the better. We need to have a little bit of a chat about the FIA and the delays because that was a really big point of contention. We've joked about it a little bit, but I want a few people's thoughts on it. It was a joke. Elaborate. I live in Australia. It was on at 11 o'clock last night. I wanted to watch the fucking race instead of going to bed. And then you made me delay my bedtime. <laughs> it was bullshit. But no, seriously. It's ridiculous. It was completely ridiculous. They've raced in the wet before. Yeah, it's Monaco. Yeah, it's dangerous. But that's the, that's the spectacle of Monaco. They they can, like Brundle said, take their foot off the accelerator. They don't need to be 100% throttle. They can be 70% throttle. They can be as much throttle as they want. They can put their fucking foot on the brake for all I care. But just let them race. Yep. What I found very interesting was the FIA not communicating well to the teams and then to the broadcasters. So we saw a lot of Brundle or or Ted mainly going up to team principals or important people in the teams being like, so do we know what's happening? And they're like, "Um, we're just kind of waiting. We're sitting here trying to figure out what's going on. And then there was a flash up of, okay, we'll resume at this time. It'll be a standing start. Oh, no, the graphic changed to a rolling start. Oh, the clock hasn't started, but then we started at two laps. It was really, really interesting, and I just it it didn't feel like a professional run aspect of the race was trying to get it started. Um, I I with the race not starting on time, that really yeah, I had to go. I started a new job today, and I was risking it, but I was a bit excited, so I was up at eleven o'clock, and I was like, might I still put it on? Next minute, it's nearly one o'clock, and yeah, but. They should have. I reckon they should have started. It wasn't like Spa last year. They couldn't see. Then no one could see, and that's a bit more understandable. But this one, if you backed off, you could see, and you'd see enough. Yeah, see enough. Um, and oh, and then with, with the starting of the race, it was just so he higgledy piggledy. It was that yeah, they were gonna start. They weren't gonna start. Then they started the clock, but they already ran. I know they had to finish by a certain time because of they don't have any lights at Monaco um, and you can't be racing in the dark. But then, yeah, they I reckon they should have just started, run a few laps and then, yeah, run in the wet. It was the first race in a while that I've seen run to a time limit. So they, did end, they didn't end up doing a maximum amount of laps. They passed a 75 distance. So it was a fully classified Grand Prix, full amount of points. But yeah... I think they got to maybe 63, 65. So they'd lost seven or so laps, but it was just Michael Massey last year would front the media after every single race and cop a whole bunch of flack and answer any questions and account for every decision he made and justify it. Or attempt to justify it. Or attempt to justify it. Look, (laughs) you're not his biggest fan. (laughs) I don't know why, but it was just... Up until this race, the FIA has been doing a remarkable job. Every decision they've made, everything they've done, they've gone, nope, we're enforcing every rule. This is how we see it. Don't text me. Don't email me. I've made a call. They haven't also had to justify much this year. 
It just seemed that with all the confusion going on, it would have been nice at the end if they came out and said, we've done it because of this reason. Yes, we know it was controversial. Yes, we know it annoyed a lot of fans, but our decision was safety. Eventually, they released a statement saying like, look, we were monitoring downpour, et cetera, et cetera. But it does boil back to the point that we've all made before is these cars can run in the wet and they should run in the wet. I've got no real comments about the start of the race because I was asleep. That's fine. <laughs> if no one else is anything else, we can jump into the news. But I, I understand that the FIA, their safety's first. and But then you can always put that into account somewhere that they... And I just don't know if Spa set a precedent of wet is too dangerous. and But then do, do you guys think there could have been a dangerous, like not fatality, like a serious injury crash if they did like down after the tunnels and someone skidded out and then someone's already around the chicane and then went straight into I, it. I think that could happen in the dry though. So yeah. I agree with Dave. The worst incidents we saw this weekend were all under dry running, but Andy's point about going a bit slower. Monaco is a slower track regardless. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think even at max pace around Monaco, you would have the impacts that are as bad as some of the other tracks. So, mm. The one we saw of Max at Silverstone, which was just, what, 56 Gs. The other day with Ocon at 56 Gs. I don't know if these cars around Monaco could get an impact that high that requires the same level of caution that we do on other tracks. Okay, they only think of two places where that would even potentially, and it's a very slim potentially, could happen. And that's going up to Sandovite coming out of the tunnel yeah. into the Novell chicane. Those are the only two places. The tunnel with because it's got the it's got yeah. the barrier and the slip road next yeah. to it. Yeah. You could hit that. But I'm Exactly. Th- those are the only two places yeah. where you're even going to get to any, any speed. speed. Yeah. But you know I'm, what I mean? I'm just thinking if you T bone another if you just come up the side of it, that's that's going to be more trouble yeah. than this car just yeah. sliding out into the barriers. It's a good mm. point. Those survival cells are indestructible though. And we saw, we did see a big incident with Mick splitting his car completely in half later on the race, and he mm. just hopped out of it and wandered off. So, look, the decisions were made. We need to defer trust to this new look FIA with the new decisions they're making that, in the end, it was an exciting race. We didn't get exactly what we wanted, but we also weren't left shortchanged. Yeah. We also weren't there either. And exactly. And it we was, also weren't there. It was 11 o'clock at the... More, oh, night for us. It yeah. was midnight. So then it felt just a much more annoying. Where, like, if you're in the UK and it's two o'clock in the afternoon, you're like, oh. I'll cook dinner yeah. a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. I'll pour out some baked beans and shit meat on my plate <laughs> another 40 minutes later. Mm, sounds tasty. Do you? <laughs> oh, I forget you're British. <laughs> no. Shall we do the news, gentlemen? Yeah. We shall. Okay. Only really two things to talk about. So let's start with the good news. Checo kind of let slip that he's re-signed his contract. Yeah, well deserved, I reckon. He's, I think he deserves that. I've, I like Checo. I think he's actually a good fit Red Bull. I don't really like Red Bull as a team very often <laughs> now, but I think he fits well within the team. Like he's actually a good presence in that team, and I think it's well deserved. It's completely well deserved. The only option they had was Gasly to move into that seat, and I think. The ship has sailed on Gasly returning to Red Bull. I wouldn't like seeing Gasly back there. Nah. I think he's done so well in the AlphaTauri since getting out of that toxic environment of Red Bull. He needs to move to another team that will be way less toxic than going back to Red Bull. I completely agree. Yeah. 
I enjoy the idea of it. How long was the contract? Do we know? Or no details have been no released. No details. Yeah, I reckon, yeah, he's a good support for Max coming into the future. Um, and he's a great driver. I Look, I agree with all of you. Checo is such a good personality for the sport. He is a very, very talented driver. And we're seeing more and more of his talent the longer he's in that team. He's also mature enough to not be destroyed by any negative personalities. Not naming names, but it's definitely Helmut Marco and Dita. And Christian Horner. And Christian. Winges. Oh, I, nah. Nah, he whinges a lot. He does. I don't. Yeah. So does Toto. He does. It's a sooky sport. I. If you're a team principal, you're a sook. I like. I. D- I have a. I don't know why I have a soft spot for Christian. I think it's maybe just how open he is with the media all the time. He's always up for a chat. I. I like that about. He's him. always up to stir shit. That's what he's up I, to do. So am I, and that's yeah, maybe why. That's <laughs> actually, that, that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. <laughs> I, no- I noticed that on the broadcast, he's always the one getting interviewed, and Toto never does an interview. I guess. Look. Toto used to do it. A couple of years ago, it was the only two people they would talk to would be Toto or Christian. On the grid walk, Brundle went up to Toto and was like, nice to see you. I don't normally see you. And Toto looked him dead in the eyes like, yeah, you don't talk to people who are down this far. It's the way it works. And I don't want this to be a dig at Mercedes, but that is kind of how the broadcasters go. Yeah. They only talk to people who are right out the front. Mercedes uh, isn't Or McLaren, because they seem to like McLaren a fair bit. It's Zach. Zach. Everyone likes yeah. Zach. I, I just wanted to point out, I think you're completely wrong. They talk to Zach. They talk to Otmar. Yeah. They talk to Gunter. They talk to the guy from, I want to say, Alfa Romeo? No. Oh, they used to talk to Cyril or people a bit on the, the when he was at Renault. They, 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 they talked they to, used to, talk to him because you can never understand him. It was always but, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but uh, the microphone, you could, yeah, you can never but understand him. My point is, is they don't always talk to people at the front end of the grid. They talk to them when they want to sh- stir shit and Christian loves to do that and that's why I like Christian. Toto doesn't play those games. That's why I don't like Toto. Play the games. See, I like Toto simply because he's such a... An evil emperor. Yeah. And he's so good at being like... he doesn't take the shit. Yep. Yeah. And he doesn't really... He do, every now and then he stirs the pot, but it's always with a very malicious way he stirs the pot. We are supposed to be talking about Checo's contract, though. We are. <laughs> <laughs> it's great that he's there. Well done, Checo. I look... If I had to guess, I'd say it's a two-year extension. I don't think they'd be giving him another one year. You're saying one? It'll be one. You reckon? They only sign them to one year unless their name's Max Verstappen. And they sign him forever. I look, I can see Checo ending his career at Red Bull because they they have no reason to get rid of him. Nah. Why would he go well, back to the back of the grid? He's moving his way up the championship at the moment. He certainly so, is. You know, what happens if it's a, a Checo Max fight? Hmm. Well, I think Red Bull owes Checo a championship yes. after yeah. this year. So yeah. Max, get out of the way for this one. Yeah, oh, and oh, I would see. I that would love too. to see that. I oh, that would make me so happy. Well, I think it'd make everyone on the grid happy. Do you reckon Checo's going to start talking to, talking to Rosberg? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. How do I bully my teammate better? <laughs> yeah, look, Red Bull has for the last five or six years only cared about getting Max a championship. They've done that. Red Bull as a team wants to be dominant the same way Mercedes wants to be dominant. They want to win. If it gets to the point where it's Max and Checo and they're the only two in contention, they'll let them have at it as long as one of them comes out on top. 
I do think that they will still have an inherent Max bias just because Max will be there longer and they don't want him to go in error. So if it really came down to it, they would probably have to pick Max just because of how these contracts go. But man, it would be nice to see Checo get championship, wouldn't it? Yeah, I I would wholeheartedly support Red Bull in supporting uh, Checo getting a championship. I wouldn't say the same about Verstappen. I, I could see <laughs> it going like this. Abu Dhabi 20X, 2020X. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to put a year on it. I do not want to put a year on it. It's Max and Checo, exactly like Lewis and Max last year. Christian sits down with them. Uh, they both on the front row as well. Christian will sit down with them and said, look, you're both allowed to race. The only condition is you do not take each other out. If you take each other out, you're done. I he, I can see him doing that and tearing man, up the contract. That would be so epic. <laughs> it would be. No, but I can see him being like, look, let's be yeah. fair about this. Yeah. I don't care who it is. One of you is going to win it. I'm, Be fair. I'm oh. such a Max fan that I love that idea, but here's the thing. I think we can all be realistic enough that the take each other out thing is only really directed at one because <laughs> Checo rarely hits anyone yeah. or is involved in an incident. I was going to say, this will be the time where he does. <laughs> Just, uh, you know, first corner racing incident boop, into the wall. He's also now... <laughs> Happily enough, the most successful Mexican F1 driver yeah. in history. He's he's the best that's ever come from that country, and that's awesome to see too. Yeah, by one win, it's all that matters. Still counts. Hey, dude, they've only won three. Hey, one <laughs> one wins is sometimes all it takes. Isn't that right, Dave? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> the other piece of news we need to bring up is Toto Wolf has come out in an interview and said that he doesn't really want to keep three customer teams this year. He has said that they're, or he would preference. Andy, you read it. What did he say? He basically said there's no financial gain for Mercedes anymore to hold three customer teams. So he would prefer to drop one. He hasn't specifically named any team, but he said he would like to drop one. Now, I did some digging and some research, and here's my conspiracy theory bullcrap. You've got Aston Martin, you've got McLaren, and you've got Williams. All three have been courted by the VW Group. All three of them have ties to the VW Group. One with a really strong tie to VW Group, and that's Williams, because Jos Capito used to basically run the motorsport at VW Group. But then again, doesn't Toto have shares or significant ties to Williams? That was my point. That's what I said earlier. I was like, I can't see him dropping Williams. Maybe Aston goes. Yeah. Maybe McLaren. Yeah. Okay. So, interesting question. If you were Toto Wolf and you had to drop one of your customer teams, who would you drop? Aston. Aston. You're dragging the engine through the mud. Yeah. So, consensually, Aston's the worst team. I'd also say Aston. And Daddy Stroll. I don't know. Yeah. Daddy Stroll can afford to get another engine from somewhere. He, he, he tried and sign a works deal with the Audi or something, I reckon. Yeah, yeah 100%. Why is it Alpine only making one and has no customers? They had a really, really bad run with designing shit engines and <laughs> also other teams not designing their cars around the engine, so they all blew up and all the teams got angry at them and they left. Cough, cough, uh, Red Bull, cough, cough. And McLaren <laughs> too. Yeah, but Red Bull, it was... That oh, was the tragic. Old, that was the Danny Rick era. 
It, it was, was <laughs> painful before he went to freaking Red Bull. Uh, freaking Renault, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and then he went to yeah. Renault and it turned out that in the car, it was actually quite a fine engine, the most yeah. powerful one on the track yeah. for a couple of years. Okay, so I think that's it for the news. Let's jump into a discussion about qualifying. Normally, Monaco is a race that is defined by its qualifying. So let's just dive straight into it. What are your boys' takeaways from qualifying and what did you see? Exciting driving, um, tight tracks. Um, but I love what I love about qualifying is the heating off, heating up of the of the track, and then working out your strategy um, towards the end and trying to get that last lap in before anyone else. Yeah, there was a lot of track evolution. You could see it throughout the sessions. People doing one or two laps as warm ups, and then doing a flying lap, and maybe going for a cool down and going again. Things like that. Yeah, a lot of different strategies to get through. It was really interesting this time. It wasn't just in. Tires, out lap, hot lap, back in again. It was all sorts of different things going on. And I think that speaks to the nature of Monaco's track. As you brought up in the preview, Riso, it's actually shorter than the sanctioned track limit. That caused a, causes a lot of panic and issues because you have one evolution happening, which is as the cars affect the track and the weather affects the track, you see changes in performance. And then the running of the different strategies, going out for that hot lap, then doing a cool down on the same set of tyres and another hot lap or two cool downs or two warm ups causes a lot of stress in the paddock. So we saw some interesting decisions being made. I know Hamilton wasn't super happy with his how Bono was instructing him to do his setup. He wanted to do, I think, two warm ups or two cool downs, and they were saying no, one on, one off, one on, one off, and he didn't love that. And Hamilton's pretty decent around Monaco too, so. Mm. I would have given him benefit of the doubt and let him run his own strategy. I guess the big takeaways were is it was affected by a red flag. Yeah. And I was watching it with someone and I said it was when Danny Rick was trying to get into Q3. Um, and I was like, he hasn't made it. And I don't think. And then the guy's like, oh, we still got two minutes left. And I was like, no, the track's going to cool down. It's not going to get that hot and he's not going to pull it. Uh, fast mm. enough lap shot. Yeah, and then Sonoda crashed anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Which was a very suspicious red flag because it wasn't really an accident, was it? Yeah. I think that was... I did see something there that was like... Was there... There was a marshal had to go out on track to pick something up off the circuit. It was just after the tunnel, maybe. It was. It was yeah, at the Novel so, oh, I don't know. Like, I think when you're in quality and you're that, everything's... It's, it's not like there's a bunch of cars going... And I mean, it's Monaco as well. You're not going to get heaps of that time, but it's not like everyone's in a race where a, mo- a marshal needs 10 seconds to go on the track and if everyone's around the other side of the circuit, you've got 10 seconds. In quali, on such a short track, you don't have time to go on the track to get something if it's going to be a, an issue. But yeah, it was an interesting one for sure, that. Yeah, and this was in Q1 as well. So this essentially affected, I believe, Gasly was on a hot lap that he got deleted, which really screwed him up. That would have been an interesting chat in the garage. Your junior teammate, who isn't really that good, has a minor incident which causes you not to go somewhere. And Gasly was on it. Also affected Danny, I believe. And the Williams weren't going to make it anyway. So now then their stroll was out in Q1 as well, wasn't he? Because he had a massive blow up on the microphone. Ricardo got through, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Ricardo got oh, through to Q2. He, to he went through to Q2. Oh, yeah, he qualified 14th, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, 13th, uh, I think. The, yeah, the, yeah Q1, around. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think I think it was, I thought this was happening in Q2 Yeah, with the Sonoda. Was it? 
I think so. Jack's making up stories again. I might be. Sounds so nothing like happened. Well, wait, no, wait. Case. Q1 was fine, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Q2, Sonoda yeah. shit the bed a little bit. But what was interesting about that is one marshal raved his red flag. Now, regardless of what the FI and race control think, once a red flag is shown, they must automatically mandate a red flag around the whole track, which means if you accidentally drop a red flag, <laughs> that session's over. And everyone's having a bad time. Flags take the precedent, which is the whole. There was the whole thing with Verstappen, I believe, last season, yes. where ah oh, the boards weren't showing the flags, but the flags were clearly displayed at the marshal. The yellow flags. He'd still set his fastest time. He got penalised and sent back a few spouts because, yeah, flags to take precedent. So if there's a red flag, that's your precedent. You got to obey that red flag. Speaking of people missing the flags, right at the end of Q three, we had a. Uh, Checo sent it into the walls. He kind mm-hmm. of just lost the rear end and slid, mm-hmm. slid in there. Signs was, I'd say, four corners behind maybe. It was not little, super it, far behind. He was behind. a little bit behind, but not heaps. Not heaps, but on the onboard, you can definitely... He drives past a set of yellows and then just smacks right into the side of, of Checo. It was... I don't think it was a big deal. Yeah. I wonder... The only thing I thought on that one was he drove past one. Like, he... It's a but around a blind corner. He'd not necessarily been told at that point he's right around that corner. He's still slowing down because he's still going into the corner. He doesn't know that the car is right on the other side of that corner. Yeah, he's slowing down in the yellow flags. He's obviously still going pretty bloody quick. And suddenly around a corner, you've got a car that's across the track in front of you. And he was right across the track. Uh, yeah. And when you're going around that corner, they're always trying to hit, not hit it nearly hitting that apex which is the mm. barrier mm. and the flag was on his left mm. so it would have been like unless he was waving it quite visibly well i believe there was any marshal waving at that point i think it was just the flashing boards at that point i don't just the boards i only saw just the board on some on boards that i saw but yeah well i just make crap up all the time so i'm gonna go with your answer um yeah Signs did a pretty good job not to hit him as much as he did. Both cars like, managed to get away really cleanly yeah. from that accident. There was a brilliant shot there with Checo spinning off in the background as they're following Charles, Charles as he comes out of the, into the in or out of the tunnel. From the camera angle, you just see the Red Bull just whoop, and you go, "Wait a second, that did was the ro- that was the wrong angle of that car in the background there." <laughs> it did end up affecting Charles's last lap, which he was on an absolute. Belter of love. He'd set yeah. purple in the first sector, and he was probably going to go on to set purple in the it second was, center. It was good that he had already got provisional pole because he would have been very, very pissed if that had cost him pole on the lap that he was on, I reckon. There wasn't too many more stories to come from qualifying, though. There was a lot of really decent laps. Interestingly, though, that I found is the three pay drivers were the last three on the grid. Interesting or to be expected? I mean... It's to be expected, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> it's Look, sometimes they put together really good performances. I think it's what we all want to see regularly to kind of justify that argument. I don't think we can call Stroll pay driver anymore. He owns the fucking team. <laughs> How can you pay, pay for a team when you already own the team? Is it more egregious that he's paying for a whole team and still performing like he is? Because Frank bought his own team and he was a great driver. Yeah, yeah. Well, and McLaren? I, think, I don't know. I think, I mean, at least he's got job security. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think uh, he does. Dave Stroll's going to fire him eventually. You reckon? Yeah. 
I wouldn't mean, shock me if I found out Lance Stroll wasn't oh, racing. That would make year. things a bit awkward. Family Christmas would suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, we're going to start with Alpine. Who wants to go first? Bet Hamilton really hates seeing the word Alpine in front of him now. Alpine. And I think we finally, because Fernando will not elaborate on what Alpine is. But I think I know what it is now. It's just screwing with Lewis. Because every time we see Fernando do something incredible in a car, it directly affects Lewis's race. Yeah, it does. Um, it was cheeky. He was very, very slow. You can see, yeah, he was just cruising at whatever pace he wanted to do. Everyone else, well, well out in front. He probably could have gone faster, but he didn't need to. No one could pass. Well, he let a 30-second gap open up between him and was it Norris? Yes. Norris who was in front of him. But then when he was told, hey, man, you kind of got to to put a move in, he ended up setting like two fastest laps in a row. So he clearly had He was just chilling. He was just just cruising. He was just saving tires. Yeah, it's Monaco. Because if you look at the final results, he was like three seconds ahead of Hamilton when Hamilton couldn't catch him. He wasted Hamilton's tires. El Plan's fantastic. (laughs) I did feel a little bit for Lewis last night. Ocon penalised for a contact with Lewis. He deserved it. Not Lewis, Ocon and the penalty. Yeah. He cut right across him. Yeah, no. Ocon had no right to whinge at the end of the race. Like, this is... You cut cut into Hamilton. You deserve the penalty. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, I... I mean, we know we all know why these drivers have to be so whingy over the radio and in the media. It's the best way to get the FIA to look at things. But with something as gr- as egregious as just literally swerving in front of him, smashing his wing too, Lewis finished that race with damage on his No, car. he didn't. No, he didn't. Oh, he changed the wing? No, because the red flag came out and then they changed the wing. Oh, okay. Oh, he okay. drove for a chunk of the race with yes. some damage and like still putting in good lap times. I know I normally talk a little bit of smack about Lewis, but he is one of the best racers we've ever seen. And it was just kind of sad that Monaco and Fernando limited what he could have done with that car because there were passes this race. Yeah. Gasly oh, the best. I was going to say Gasly's one on Ricardo as much as it pains me to see Ricardo get passed. Whew, that was a good pass. Yep. Gasly just on berserk mode the whole yeah, race. Yeah. Maybe we talk about that when we're talking about Alpha Tauri. Yes. Fine. <laughs> Ocon, though, because of El Plan, ended up losing a points finish. Which was funnier. It made it funnier for me. It did. <laughs> because it did. also, the podcast's second favourite driver got a point. Yeah, Seb got a point. Seb got a point because Ocon's crap. <laughs> yeah. Now, you were defending Ocon the other week. I was, but... And what I, did I say? I stuck my feet in the ground and said, no, he sucks. And I am validated You are validated. Look, he, he did all right up until last night. And then last night, he reminded me why I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> Riso, anything for you on our team? Nah, not really. I missed, I fell asleep probably like lap 13. And I think I kind of woke up when uh, one of the Haas drivers crashed. But yeah, and then I couldn't really catch it. Yeah, that's fair. Look, again, because of the nature of where they are in the pack, they're not quite near enough the front to get a lot of broadcast time. And they're also not really at the back where they get those offhand shots of blue flags and things like that. So you just don't <laughs> see him a huge amount. Fernando, just absolute legend for the sport. Always but causing stress. I was going to say, Fernando did really well to get those back markers some TV time at the Lowe's hairpin. It's true. Like, they, they just stuck on the, the shot. 
Abdullah's hip and you see Alonso go through, Hamilton go through, Ocon go through, Vettel go through. You just see all these cars going through. You even got to the Williams at one point before they cut off it. It was it was great. I liked it. Fernando Alonso gets voted this podcast number one train driver of the year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's talk about the Mercedes cars. And we will start with Mercedes because Lewis and Fernando. Oh, I mean, Fernando basically ruined Lewis's race. He did. He definitely did. George, on the other hand. Mr. Consistent. He is. They were Mm. also, I don't care if he's Mr. Saturday or Sunday. It's a shit nickname either way you look at it. But he is turning into a very real threat this year, isn't he? Yeah, he's there and thereabouts. He's still in it, still in the fight. So a couple more results go on his way or a couple more, you know, pick up a few points here and there against a, a driver that has a bad day. Ooh, he's he's still up there. I think he might actually beat Lewis this year. If he if he keeps this up, and then yeah. he's just going to build more confidence. He wants to work out the car. He wants to – He's you can see the drive in him. And I reckon he might actually come out in front. I was going to say, on the, the, the thought of his nickname, Mr. Saturday, Mr. Sunday, why don't you just call him what he is, Mr. Consistency? Mm. Yeah. He's the only person to consistently finish in the top five this year. Yep. He is absolutely killing it. And I guess the story of Mercedes AMG this week can be summed up with both drivers weren't happy with the car itself. Now, they weren't porpoising this week. It was the suspension geometry actually causing it to skid on the ground. So the car was set up in a way that the base plate of the vehicle, the skid plate, was hitting the ground and causing lift in that fashion. So I know both drivers through practices and quali were very, very unhappy with the setup of mm. the car. But I think Toto or Bono came out and said that essentially in order for us to have the pace that we did have, that was the payoff this week. Yeah. Right. I think it's they made a bunch of improvements in the previous race and Monaco's just, you can't really do anything with the data about the cars for that. It's just such a unique circuit. Hopefully, you know, next next race, they'll, uh, you know, big, fast, open street circuit. Some of those um, changes they've made to reduce that porpoising will come into effect, particularly down that long straight at Baku. Those previous upgrades really got me thinking they were going to good, go good this week and they did not and my points are suffering. <laughs> <laughs> well, they brought up a lot in commentary how there are two tracks that are the most unique on the calendar, and that being Monza and Monaco. And they said hundreds of times that you do not design a car for Monaco or Monza because you essentially shoot yourself in the foot for the rest of the year. So in regards to Mercedes, I really agree with Dave, your point, essentially saying, well, all the upgrades they've got are effective and are going to work, but it's Monaco. You just really can't prep for it. I was going to say... Peter Bonington has to be the smartest man in the paddock. But in that whole rain delay, there's only one man wearing a rain jacket. <laughs> <laughs> and it was Pete Bonington. <laughs> Bono came prepared for everything. He just has such a motherly tone to his personality, doesn't he? That, of course, he's got a raincoat. Yeah. He's also probably got an iron and some snacks for Lewis as well. He just seems like he's such a caring, well-thought-out dude. But you're right. He was the only dude not fucking soaked the whole race. You think as well, wearing the white shirts, they'd think about that a bit more, right? Like, you know, white shirt, wet weather. Yeah. I just, I think all of them were banking on the fact that the rain was just going to hang on the Alps and not come over. And then Gus picked up and the pressure dropped and then it just bucketed down. All right. Let's talk about McLaren. 
McLaren need to take some responsibility. They I agree with Andy. They, they can't keep blaming Danny Rick. It's not just Danny Rick not being able to perform in that car. They're not giving him a car that performs. Look, I 100% agree with you. I mean, last week, I think we all went on the lines of, we'll trust what Zach says. He isn't really hitting expectations. But having that time to sit down and think about it and also look at the raw data of the races. If you take out Danny's mechanical retirements or mechanical faults, he's had floor damage in one, he didn't finish one race. He has been very close to Lando in every area, points-wise, finish-wise, time-wise, except in qualifying. And I do truly believe it's because McLaren isn't willing to spend the time on his unique car philosophy, which is very similar to Max's. Dave, you're looking at me with a stinky face. What have I done? No, I was just going to say, as I, I'm just trying to think back, has Ricardo really been the greatest qualifier in the years gone past? I know he's had some polls, but I wouldn't say he's great at qualifying he's not he's good at racing and he is known for sending it down the inside of the corner and, and making passes so yeah i don't know maybe it's 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 fair to say that the qualifying is maybe a little bit more representative of where da- that that gap is more representative of where daniel sits to lando but in their racecraft, they're close if not equal if not maybe ricardo slightly better the car might not be yeah. Performing for him. And has Lando ever... He's had great performances this year, but has he ever had, actually had to race anyone this year? Because he's always just kind of been a little bit behind George or in front of George, just kind of sitting there, right? Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, I think it was pretty evident last night that uh, Lando is just not as quick as George's car. So he, he sort of just sat, what, three or four seconds behind him for the majority of the race. And then... Because of Fernando's L plan, they brought him in and he got fastest lap sort of thing. Like, because it was a free pit stop, might as well take it, you know what I mean? And Danny is a freak around Monaco too. Like, he was won it once before, he was on for a win except for the pit stop shenanigans where they just yeah. didn't bring out any tyres. Don't, don't remind me. I just, as much as I like McLaren, I think my my viewpoint is now shifting away from Danny's not a good match for them for McLaren just not willing to take the chance to go, well, we've only got him for a couple of years. Let's just make a car for him because Lando's not going anywhere. He'll be at McLaren forever. Lando's clearly very well suited to that car, but the point I want to make about that is the car's not getting better. It hasn't been better for a couple of years. Yes, we've seen slight improvements, but I think that Danny's philosophy could really make that car a competitor for the top of the grid. I don't know if Lando has the experience on how to develop a car beyond the point it's currently at. It's just kind of stuck there in third, fourth, fifth place. And without strong changes to whatever they're doing on that vehicle, whatever design philosophy they have, I just think they'll wallow there consistently. And that isn't something we really want to see. We want to see McLaren pushing up higher. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) shall we move on to the Astons the green balls that was only last week not when the results are shown in this race okay hold on now Riso's joined Andy's team we need to listen to him well Stroll came out and said if if we did copy Red Bull would be two seconds faster well Vettel well not going to get Stroll doing it but Vettel (laughs) Vettel is two seconds faster I don't know about, but he's in the top ten. So are you with he, me? They're Green Bulls. They're not Aston. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Green Bulls. 
two two v two. One of these will come around to us eventually. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying we we shouldn't call them that because if Aston Martin finds out we're calling them that, <laughs> we'll get in trouble. They have clearly copied a design. If they want to sue us, they can take all of my savings, which is thirty three cents. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look! At least we might get some more podcast exposure. Exactly. Yeah, it would it. be great for like exposure. And subscribe. It would also be the most Lawrence Stroll thing in the world, suing four poor Australians <laughs> who don't know anything about the sport. What an incredible qualifying from Seb. Yeah. Just absolutely on the limit, pulling it together. I haven't seen him put a lap in like that in years. It was beautiful to see. Stroll, as Riso said, like, there's, uh, he's a dead fish. You can't do anything with that. I mean, he crashed on the way to the grid. Come on. <laughs> Did too, didn't he? Before well, the race even yeah, started. He, yeah, he, it, wasn't, it wasn't on the way to the grid. It was, yeah, he was in the During formation. During the, the formation yeah. lap, that was the first lap of the race. He, uh, yeah, Because technically, the, the clock had started when, yeah. before they'd left the pit lane. So the, the race was underway. But yeah, technically the race underway, but it was a formation lap and both him and Latifi crashed out. <laughs> Stroll copped a puncher, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, he did. Which was, I think, as a result of his contact though. Yeah, not, 100%. It wasn't. What caused his contact? No. Yeah. No, no, no. It yeah. was what caused his contact was his skill or lack thereof. Yeah. <laughs> which then caused a puncture. But there's nothing we really need to say about Stroll. He did nothing. Nothing really happened. He was down the bottom. Seb, on the other hand, came home with a point due to Ocon's penalty, but he did really well. Ocon also, not Ocon, sorry. Um, Stroll also went to the pit like 14 times or something crazy. It's yeah, not that so, many. So... I thought this was really funny. So when Gasly pitted for Inters, uh, Stroll came in, and he'd already pitted for the for the wets, and he's come back in again. I'm like, oh, he's probably going to go to Inters. The graphics still showed him on wets, and he nearly crashed into Latifi because it was a very unsafe release. Yeah, it was. Very, Did very he get unsafe. a penalty for that? That's the way to tell, but the, those graphics yeah, they unreliable. Said <laughs> well, they had the Red Bulls on Inters when they were clearly on wets. Yeah. yeah. Did you also notice towards the end of the race, actually none of you did, none of you caught <laughs> the end of the race, but towards the end of the race, they actually put up a graphic iron scene, which was driver numbers. Driver. They put up the, the, the car numbers next to the names okay. in the last couple of laps of the race. So oh. And they were stylized to match the numbers on the car too, nah, which they, is awesome. Yeah, they've, right. they've used those a few times Yeah, I've seen them maybe in qualifying. They should be mm. up all the time, I reckon. It's so helpful. Mm. It really is. I mean, some of the teams with comparable drivers are easy, but when you're talking about Aston, the one that goes by first, you go, well, that's Seb because he's going quick. And then the one that's going slow is Stroll. It's very easy to tell. And it's the same with the Alpines. You see one going quick. Oh, there's Alonso. Then you see one struggling. Oh, there's Ocon. The one that confuses me this year all the time now is Mercedes because Hamilton forever was always the black T-cam. And now, for some reason this year, he's gone the yellow one. I think it's because he's got yellow Uh, accents on his car. He does, but I just... Whoa, it confuses me every single time. Actually, fun fact, we should have mentioned this during the Mercedes thing. Do you know Hamilton now holds the uh, trivia fact that he's changed helmets mid-race? He's the only driver to ever change helmets he, mid-race. Before, yeah, before the second red flag, he had his special white helmet with this cool design on that he got done. Yeah. Come out after red flag, he had his normal helmet on. All right. Did he? Yeah. He Due to rain visors. Yeah. Oh. Ah, there you go. Must have only had the one... Uh, Ted Kravitz mentioned it. It was like, there's a trivia. Or as I like to call him, post-banana Ted, because it was (laughs) after he's had his little snack. Or two seconds, Ted. (laughs) (laughs) He gave himself a couple of two seconds. The radio popped up and he he went, oh, two seconds, Ted. And then he went quiet. (laughs) He's become (laughs) self-aware with the abuse he cops from Sky Broadcast. 
I love it though. It, it just it's every time pretty much with Ted. Every time they've got to be doing it on purpose now, yeah. don't they? they yeah. Can we check the betting markets? Can we see if there's like bets on how many times it'll be interrupted and if there's a bit of insider trading going on? Because it's getting worse. I was going to say, if there's not, we're going to get onto sports bet about this one, I reckon. Send him a text. Oh, yeah. Anyway, Green Bulls. Yeah. Good job, Seb. Bad job, Stroll. Anyway, on to Williams. Before Jack forgets. (laughs) God, Latifi sucks. He crashed into the fucking wall at the (laughs) Lowe's Hampion on the formation lap. As much... As much as I like to rag on him, it always makes me very starkly aware that Max has done the same thing before as well in Hungary two years ago. Oh, um, no. He didn't crash into the, the Lowe's hairpin. Like no, he crashed into at Hungary. Yeah, in a wetter track. Okay, that's a good point. You know what? Max yeah, is not, perfect. You're right, Andy. Not Max, not is not perfect. Max is perfect. Max is perfect, him that. isn't he? High I'll, five, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give him that, though. The slowest corner... I think on the Formula One calendar, and he still manages to bin it in the wall. Oh, no, in it's a ridiculous. Little bit of, yeah. <laughs> One thing I do want to say about, I guess Williams is I don't think they understand the car still. Latifi came out after qualifying and said that they've changed the setup from FP1 to FP2 to FP3 to fully changing the setup for qualifying, and qualifying was like racing an entirely different car, and the rest of the free practices were useless. And so I reckon. Yeah, but then there's other drivers that I don't think would crash the car. But I, I, I don't think Williams has yeah got an understanding of the cars, the tires. Okay, Mister Fun Police, can we go back to laughing at Latifi now? Yeah, no, he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I still call him shit, Tifi. Okay, look, <laughs> <laughs> crash Tifi now. Reese makes a very good point because Monaco being such a hard track to race is that that progression of flow between the sessions is super important, and if you have an issue you don't get that constant time on track. It's maybe why Danny also struggled a bit too because he missed a session with a massive crash as well. But yeah, Latifi, my man, like I even tweeted at him being like, come on, man, please. Just like (laughs) stop (laughs) making it so easy to make fun of you. And Albon though, Albon also had a shocker too. He got penalised in the end. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he got a penalty for track limits. And gaining a lasting advantage. He definitely did. It was at the... uh, yeah, probably made a pass under it. And no, Velshagain. No, it wasn't a pass, but he made a gap. So he increased his gap True. more than once by just not going around the chicane and going straight through it at full beans. And then he got the black and white flag and then was penalised for doing it again. It's just a standard thing to do at the Novel chicane, though. Yeah, just go straight on. Why don't they just make it straight on? It's not a bad idea, to be honest, and make it a one big DRS zone. Cool. And then you know what you do? Jeez, going into back into back would be uh, <laughs> now. Now to back's a hard quick. hard breaking zone. There's a passing. Yeah. There's a passing zone. Yeah. yeah, we just fixed Monaco. There we go. Done. Yeah, we fixed it. We fixed it. And sprinklers. Oh, can you imagine how much more speed potential they could carry through the, sh- the swimming pool chicane then? Yeah. Carry it through to back at more. Yep. Oh. Oh, <laughs> did we just fix Monaco? I think we did. <laughs> Just caused a friggin' like fifteen car pile up on the yeah. first lap. Once of the again, pool. fix Monaco. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Williams just year after year, despite what personnel or drivers they have in there, they just aren't able to design a working race car for this sport at the moment. They need to just copy under- Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> no, Aston's already done that. What it they hasn't need to really d- worked for them. What they need to do is just look at. What money Latifi's bringing in, understand that it doesn't matter how much money he's bringing in, it's it's no good to him when they're just consistently building cars for him. Cut, cut him out, 
get an experienced driver in that seat, someone who can develop a car, someone who can tell them how to make a car work. Because that, that's what they're lacking. They When was the last time they had an experienced driver in the car? VB. Tw- no, 2017, Felipe Massa. Who's going to want to go there, though? I know. Well, That's the problem. Nico Hulkenberg. That's not a crazy idea. It's uh, not crazy, but is he really going to want to go there? <laughs> if they pay him enough money, they he will. Yeah. It's, look, but I, I, seriously, there's got to be a driver out there that, that yeah. they can get in there. To someone who has more than five years' experience who can genuinely develop a car. And who's been in top-ish teams too. Renault was on a constant development cycle. Nico would be a good fit. Yeah. Danny, if things go wrong at McLaren, would also oh. be a good fit. Oh, that it wouldn't be no. nice to see. Oh, what a step down. my heart. Yeah, but... He, when we look at the evidence in front of us, he would be a good fit for what we're asking for. He would, it, but it, imagine if he does go there and just changes Williams for the better, and then they start getting him points. Oscar. That just, would be magic. That okay, would, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, not. I don't don't think it would be likely to happen because it would just. You, you don't want Albon there anymore. I look. I do have a massive soft spot for Albon. I don't know where else he would go, but I think he's out driving Latifi though. Oh, oh yeah, easily. So, like, if That's anyone's going, Latifi's going. Latifi will go. They get someone in who knows what they're doing. I think 20, well, 20 other drivers are out driving Latifi. Isn't he, <laughs> isn't he 21st out of yeah. 20 drivers at the moment? Yeah, yeah. even Nico's outperforming. Yeah. Exactly. Like, there comes a point where you're just like, all right, you know, the money you're bringing in isn't enough. See ya. I think, yeah, at the end of this year, Dalton, who are now the owners of the Williams team, mm. And Yost all need to have a sit down and really talk about doing almost what Alpine's done and go, okay, no matter what we do, we can't fix it in a year or two years. We need to have a long-term five, six, seven-year plan of constant progressive development based on a stable team platform that, yes, might not be as flashy or as cool as just storming through and doing something incredible, but it will get us back consistently into the mid-pack like what Haas has done. Also, they could do what McLaren's done and more more specifically what Zach Brown's done. Zach Brown's brought a lot of sponsorship to McLaren over the last five years. Oh, definitely. If, yeah. if they could get a Zach Brown at Williams to help them generate sponsorship, I, then Latifi's cash means nothing. You know what I mean? It's true. It's true. There's also the argument that if they moved up a couple of places in the rankings, they get more cash payout. So, you know, you cut Latifi out, Bring a better driver in, move a couple, up a couple places, make back that money. Exactly. There are solutions there, which is really good. Shall we move on, gentlemen? Yes. Red Bulls. Now, do we want to start with the big boys or the little boys? Let's start with the little boys. We can start with the little boys. I want to talk about Pierre because Pierre made me happy. Mm-hmm. Pierre, I voted him driver of the day. He made passes. It was It's rare at Monaco and he yeah. made a few. It was a cracking pass. Oh, no. Most of them were. I, I, what I love about Formula One is the they say it was a game like he has no points. He has everything to gain and nothing to lose. And the opportunities there because the front pack doesn't have the time to fall back. They'll fall back and there's back markets. He can fall back and there's going to be no one in front of him and just make up them times. And you see his unreal driving on those. There's no way Latifi could have done that. He would have been into the wall. 
<laughs> still found a way to shit on the TV. <laughs> but Pierre, like, he's his skin drifting around some corners and just making it happen. And then when they turn on, they're on, and then he's making mad passes. Well, look at the look at the time he made up. It only took him about three laps to get from where he was after he pitted for enters to behind the the back markers. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, a few laps later, there's a pass, and everyone in the commentary was. Oh, there's a pass at Monaco. Holy shit. You know what I mean? Like, and it became exciting. And that's when the race really started to become an exciting factor. I guess my only real sad part about Pierre Gasly this weekend is that he was robbed of having a better qualifying because he was going to do a faster lap. It would have been awesome to see what he could have done starting top 15, maybe top 13, top 12. Just, it was great what he did. It was just really disappointing that, unfortunately, he had to start so far down the grid. But credit to him, it was a great recovery. Oh, awesome. And I think for all the people out there who only view Pierre's performance based on what he did at Red Bull, need to sit down and really look at what a strong race this young man's developing into, how much he has improved and he's continuing to improve. Yes, the car's not there, so he's not getting those results we saw last year. But he's still outperforming that car consistently for what he should be. He's yeah. still my number one pick to replace Lewis when Lewis finally hangs up the boots. I, 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 if I'm Toto and I'm seriously looking at my options, Ocon has to be in the conversation because he's a Toto driver. But I'm looking at Gasly. I'm like, look at what he do- has done it out. What he's done at AlphaTauri. I'll be like, yeah, I, I sort of want him in my seat. Mm. Him in a top team at Mercedes. With Bono, I think that's a deadly combination. I think he has the right composure as well for that team. And I think that's more important for Toto at times. You know, it's a very good point. Yuki, I mean, he's a rookie. No, he's not. It's his second year. So he has no excuse for what he did. Uh, Yeah, look, his qualifying was his big incident. His race was okay. He went off a few times. He said he... Thankfully, went off at Sandovot when the leaders were coming up, so he didn't interfere in that little lead battle towards the end. It's true. He did get out of their way very, very conveniently. <laughs> I would say that Yuki's performance this week matched exactly what the car is. Not where it's supposed to be, but adequate. Yeah. Just yeah. And, you know, we rarely, we rarely saw him on camera too. We saw Pierre because he was doing some pretty incredible things. But Yuki was just kind of there. What do you mean? You've seen him come back on at Sandovot when the leaders went past. Okay, we <laughs> right did Right in that. the background. <laughs> I think I was on social media at that point. Spent a lot of time looking up GIFs last night. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's Alpha Tower in a nutshell. Pierre being Pierre and Yuki just doing his thing. No- nothing too much more to report. Let's talk about the big boys. What a race for Checo. Yeah, well done, Checo. So happy for him. I think that was the sentiment in the whole paddock, wasn't it? There was not a single person that was like, oh, he didn't deserve it. Everyone was like, yeah, that that's sick. Checo won. They were and all smiling and happy. Like, awesome front flip into the pool. Yep. Some sick photos of that. <laughs> <laughs> and we're seeing Red Bull. I remember the biggest criticism we had of Red Bull a couple of years ago is that they couldn't play a successful strategy game. We're clearly seeing that their strategy decisions are paying off. It helps when both cars are at the front, though. It does help that both cars are at the front, and that is purely che- the, it is purely Checo's fault that both cars are at the front, which is a good thing. I know fault's normally a bad thing, but I can't think of another word. The reason they're both at the front is, is Checo. 
well paid off, especially after everyone's thoughts on Barcelona the week before with was it right to get him to move out of the way? Debt repaid, surely. A Monaco win, right? Well, listen to him after the race. He said he's been dreaming about this his whole life and he's like, on the radio. He's like, am I dreaming? Like, this is real, right? I've just won Monaco, yeah? And Christian's like, mate, you've just won Monaco. We're so happy for you. We're so proud of you. Thanks heaps, mate. And, you know, it's lovely to see that Checo's getting the, the recognition he deserves. He's He plays team, pl- team two player. Well, player two all the time. Now he's player one. It was two interesting things, I think, from Checo is one, his engineer sounded so blasé. And I was initially like, oh, almost are they a little bit disappointed? But then hearing Christian come on and be that stoked was nice. And the other other fun fact is that when he stood up to do a celebration, he instantly fell back over and fell straight into his cockpit. That was funny. <laughs> Stacked <laughs> it. Jumped on up. Was like, yeah, here's the flag. And then you just see him, like, legs go out from underneath him, straight back onto the halo. Oh. The halo does save lives. Yeah. <laughs> Max, though. I want to, I, being a very big Max fanboy, I want to kind of start with Max this weekend. And I just don't think he had it together in any of the sessions. He was consistently a tenth behind Checo in pretty much every time in category you could point a finger at. Very, very competent drive, but I just, I think he was off this weekend. I think he fell to the Monaco curse of sometimes the setup's not there and working towards the setup. Sometimes you choose the first setup right and then you can improve on that. And other times you just throw them mud at the wall and then hopefully something sticks and then it just doesn't stick. Yeah. He I just wasn't there, was he? I think it just proves that he's not a great driver, really. All I can gather from that is that, yeah, he's just not as good as everyone makes him out to be. Let's uh, just... <laughs> let's just cut. I'm just going to cut all that. No, no, that can stay in because I think we can all agree on two points here. One, South should be kicked from the comp. And yep. Two, <laughs> that if Max was behind Alonso, he would have passed him easily. Easily. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, we can all point fingers here, David. Yes, I know, I know. But, you know but what? back to your point, South should be kicked out of the comp. They should be. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm joking on that one. Like, you know, we know you are. It's a, it's, a, it's a max race. He, he still got points. He's still, you know. One thing I'm happy not to hear is Max finishing first every time he finishes. The streak has a, has ended. Yeah. Because, yeah. 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 Look, very competent performance by him, but he just wasn't there. It, this weekend was a Checo weekend from the start to the end. It was very well deserved. And, yeah, just he's signed a new deal, and he's earned his place in the history books as just a brilliant race driver. And now he can, no matter what happens in his career, he has that Monaco win. And I don't think anything more really needs to be said about the Red Bulls. Well, actually, there is because... Cut it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Keep going. Well, the overcut. The overcut strategy when it came to tyres seemed to really work for him. It did surprisingly well. It worked so well to the point where Charles was forced to come in and Science basically ignored his team and said, no, I'll stay till Slicks. Yeah. And because an, an undercut is when you pit before the person in front of you. Yes. What is the definition of an overcut for you anyone p- who doesn't know? You pit after them. Yep, so and you essentially run longer. So so you run longer, but you also you just maximum pace. You want to push as far as you can when you've got the, the free freedom to push. You come in, you pit, and you hope to guide your pit stops quick enough that you're out and you're 
gone before the other guy gets around on fresh cold tires. Yeah. And I feel like Monaco is the one where the overcut does work because there's no if you're on the cold tires, other racetracks have that overtaking where Monaco you can just sit it and then that, yeah you can't pass. Well, that's the thing. If you get stuck behind a back marker on your outlap after your piss, there's no way in hell you're making the undercut work. And that's what happened to poor Carlos. And we can talk about Ferrari now too, actually. So well, we might as well move into him. So yeah. Carlos was limited. His race, I mean, he came second, which was an awesome comeback from his last couple of performances. He He's was remarkably mistake-free all weekend. He was absolutely on it. Him and Charles were right there, topping sessions, looking unbeatable out in front. He was hampered by a back marker, but he didn't get the worst of the pit strategies, did he? Nah, the Ferrari pit strategies finally showed up this year. Now, I want to throw this first take to our reborn Ferrari fan to talk us through what happened. So, Dave, what happened? As a uh, yeah, as a Tafosi of the podcast, I <laughs> I was quite disappointed to see what happened. It's that. Shades of 2018, 2019, Ferrari strategies right there, just completely screwing their lead driver out of a win. Um, and what would have yeah, been a very well-deserved win too. Yeah. I, I love seeing when things go wrong. It does make me giggle, but I did feel very bad for Charles last night. I mean, you've seen his record previously at Monaco. He'd never finished He'd a single never race. never finished a single race. He qualified on pole last year and didn't take part. He qualified on pole this year, started well. And got screwed. They, it wasn't originally planned as a double stack, was it? No, I don't believe um, so. I think we're, and I know we're all talking about how bad it was, but also shout out to the mechanics for having the tyres right there because it did, in the end, look like a planned double stack. If you took out the commentary and the voice messages, they were ready to go for Charles. There oh, was yeah, it could have been way worse for him if they weren't, 100%. Well, well, actually, the, the footage has been released with the audio exactly when it came to Charles. So what's happened is, is he's come around Raskaz, box, 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 and Charles has followed it like a hole. As soon as he's turned in the pits, stay out, stay out, stay out. And that's when Charles gone, fuck, why did you do this? Fuck. And he's just pulled in slow right behind Jack, uh, Carlos. Nothing he could do at that point. Mm. And a lot of racetracks have very, very conveniently designed pit entries the pit entry at Monaco is essentially a right angle turn. Like you go, you nose into it and you turn hard right and you're in there. There's really no real run up to it whatsoever. Yeah. So you can't even go, well, I'll risk the penalty by going over the line and just driving quicker. It ruined his race. When you're committed to the pit there, you're committed to the pit there is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It was just, it's not often we say someone deserves a win from, you know what I mean? It's not often you go, look, I really want this person to win. They're a competitor, whatnot. He should have won that. It would have been such a good story. I can story think of at him. least one race where the driver that was in front deserved the win. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Abu Dhabi 2021. I don't really recall. I don't think. I was a couple no. of shoeys deep, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I was celebrating the fact Max got the pass. No, in all reality, I was actually asleep at that point. I remember I had to wake up and I saw everybody crying and everybody yelling and fireworks and I had to actually rewind the race to figure out what actually happened because <laughs> I just kind of woke up and I was like, oh no, this doesn't look good. What happened? Charles devastated. Yeah. I tell you what, I would not like to be sitting in that pit when he's pulled into Park Firm, mate. I think it would have been empty because he would have gone 
Berserk. He did speak very well about it, and I think that's a credit to the maturity yeah. and the talent that Charles have is, is in the post afterwards, he was like, look, I am personally devastated, but this is racing. We need to address the problem for what it is and leave it there. And I think that nothing nothing more really needs to say it about Charles's attitude. No, I reckon it's just going to make him come back next year wanting it so much more. He's going to be red hot next year and put it in the wall. <laughs> Calling did, it now. I did think that after that pit incident, he was going to end up binning it just by going, no, I am going to get back in front come hell or high water. I don't care what happens. But no, he sat in fourth. He did play the team game and go, no, the points in fourth matter more than anything else now in the reality of the championship in the context of being a Formula 1 driver. So I think... He learned from Imola. Yep. And despite what happened, he made the best of what the cards dealt him and he dealt with it with grace. And I think that should be commended and respected. I guess we should probably talk about the Alfa Romeos a little bit then, hey. Valerie Bottas being an absolute gun as usual. And Joe, we actually did get to see a bit of Joe this weekend, yeah. didn't we? I was impressed with Joe's advantageous passing and how aggressive he was taking these chances. It's Monaco. You don't really... It, it's, a, it's a battle of survival, not a, a battle for chances. And Joe's at the back of the pack and he went, fuck it. And he just took he took risks, and sometimes they paid off, sometimes they didn't. He'd go off at San Devot, he'd make the pass, you know, and it was really impressive. And you know what? Credit to him. Hey, it was a good drive. Incredible save, too. He went absolutely pretty much sideways at one point and pulled it back together and came over on the radio and was like, ooh, I think I need a new race suit. So he even had good humor <laughs> just in, like, any other race that we saw Joe in, he probably would have sent that into the wall on the hardest track in not great conditions still, old tyres, incredible save. How'd Bottas do in the end? I've forgotten exactly where he, he went. Came. He actually came ninth. ninth. Due to Ocon? Or due to, oh, yeah, due to Ocon. He was in 10th before that. Yep. Points again. I think he's just, every race we see him now, he's proving one, not only how good of a driver he was at Mercedes, but also... Outside of Mercedes, what a talented driver he is, regardless of what he's in. He's making that car better. He was good at Williams before he moved to Mercedes. Like he got yeah. some uh, podiums for them. So yeah. back yeah. when Williams was actually, you know, semi decent. Yeah, that was like the 2014, 2015, I think it was maybe he was he didn't leave till twenty seventeen because yeah. twenty sixteen was when Nico pulled the Hey, I win, now I quit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nico was on the broadcast pretty much everywhere you look this weekend. But he lives there, doesn't he? Yeah, he lives in Monaco. A bunch of them do, though, don't they? Yes. Look, Alfa Romeo, again, Valtteri Bottas, getting the points, making wonders for that team. They were nowhere near the points, really, the last couple of years, except for the rare times Kimi would get it up there. And realistically, they were never going to be there because Kimi didn't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He's racing again, isn't he? Yes. We didn't mention that in the news, but Kimi's coming out of retirement. NASCAR, yeah? Yes, he's going to be driving for a top team, actually. Wow. So, uh, it's Project 91. I don't know too many of the details. I don't even remember what the manufacturer was. I should have read or researched this. But, yeah, he's going to race uh, Watkins, Watkins Glen for him. And is that an oval or a circuit? It is a road course. Oh, so right. We could see some. I reckon he's going to take it because he knows how to turn right. <laughs> 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 it's true. Let's move on to Haas. I'm glad Mick's okay. Let's, yeah. let's just start there. I'm glad yeah. Mick's okay. 
It was a very scary looking crash, wasn't it? The car completely split in half. There's been a couple of those this season. Two. And this is his second. Yeah, and the the camera pan and all you see is the the back wing and the tires and nothing else. I'm just like, oh fuck. And for a while as well, they didn't show it. They showed yeah. yellow flag sector three and didn't show the accident for a while. And I, I just had Bahrain flashbacks. Yeah. I really did. For until I seen Mick, I was just like, is this kid alright? Is yep. this kid okay? Because I, I noticed that last time they don't until they get the okay, they don't show any replays mm. and they try not to show the. Footage. I'm I'm glad they do that yeah. though because of Bahrain 2020 that was frightening and the amount of replays they showed was absolutely disgusting it I was 100% on Danny Rick's side yeah you know TV direction around this crash was brilliant Mick again glad that he walked away completely unscathed just a little bit rattled but the real conversation we need to have around Haas and Mick at the moment is that's a huge bill so the last time he split the car in half was about a million dollar fix these Haas isn't reaching the current budget cap, so they're not spending the hundred and forty-five million like the other teams are. He's costing, and not all the time, but he's costing a lot of money. We can easily attribute two million dollars just to car repairs for him this year alone, and I don't, I don't know if Haas has the funds to sort that out. And I, I heard, oh, I didn't hear it. It was a quote from Gunter saying that Mick doesn't have forever to prove himself and like i reckon if he doesn't prove himself this year there might be maybe someone else coming in i'd say that but he does bring some german backing and that german backing is quite substantial it is i don't know if i don't know if that german backing is enough to cover these constant car rebuilds because not only is it the two big rebuilds he has but most weekends he'll go through a wing or two as well it's just constant the first split in half was saudi yeah Yes. All right. So if we get rid of Saudi off the calendar, there's a million dollars. <laughs> now we're saying we keep in Monaco, so maybe we just put a reserve driver in for Monaco. There you go. Two million dollars saved. Did they say after Saudi or anything? Was there any damage to the engine? Like obviously, it split the gearbox yeah, from that, the engine. That, that so that's fucked. Yeah. So that engine's gone. That's two engines gone. Basically. Exactly. Now. So that's has implications that's further on in the season too. That's for at engines. least a penalty or two now. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the other thing to consider. Not just the monetary cost, but the strategic when you're going to take your engines, those kind of things too. However, he's in a Haas, so, you know, he's qualifying 16th. He's only moving four places back. That is very, very true. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sorry, I had to put the joke in there. But no, (laughs) it it is a good point. Interestingly enough, though, that when I was watching the race last night, I initially thought it was Magnussen's car because we saw an image of the crash and then it did a direct jump cut to Magnussen, who was just wandering around pit lane. No one knew... Yeah. At that point, that he'd actually retired due to a water pressure issue. The uh, irony of having a water pressure issue at a rained-out event. Yeah. <laughs> but just an absolute devastating weekend for Haas all around. Neither cars finished. They were both looking good in qualifying. Magnussen qualified well. And, yeah, it just it's just that Haas luck. They just – it runs out every now and then, and this was a really bad weekend for them all yep. around. Yep. Credit to Magnussen, though, as soon as he's seen what had happened. The, the look on his face – was genuine concern. He's probably having flashbacks. That's what I was yeah. thinking too. But is it credit to Magnuson that he gives a crap? Yeah. It's Whereas true. let's let's devil's advocate. Let's put Nikita in that position. He probably wouldn't even come out. He was uh, whatever. Yeah. He'd be like, "Well, does that mean I beat him? Did I beat him? Did I beat someone? <laughs> Holy no, no, no. No, he wouldn't have because he retired first. <laughs> <laughs> all in all, though, gentlemen. 
the most exciting Monaco we've had in a long time. Since I mean, 2018. We've managed to talk about it a bunch. We've talked about it for an hour and a half so far, pretty much. All right, Andy, do you want to run us through our prediction update? Because I believe I scored some bonus points this week. Oh, so did I. It's kind of All right, well, some let, let, let's go in order. So, Dave, thanks to Jacko, you had Stroll in first, Joe in second, Shumi in third, K-Mag in fourth, and Sonoda in you win points for having the most crashes in your top five. Well, that's what I was going <laughs> to say. Can I get a bonus point for saying like Stroll was one of the first people to crash? Yes, he can have one. Woo! He can have one. I, I really wanted to give him the donut though. Look, you earned a donut. I did. But you, also because I did such a screw job on you. Yeah, look, it is my fault. I did I did forget I'll to tell send you, what, you tell you what, my he'll, predictions. Here's what we'll do. I'll give him the five bonus points back. Okay, yeah, we can wipe away your British debt. Woo! There, nice. But this, but now, Dave don't qualify for bonus extra bonus points anymore for the rest of the season. No, that's not too fair. No, 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 no. The, the, the general bonus points he can qualify for, but we're not giving him any more points after no more this. Oh, yeah. yeah. No I'll, more I'll pity points. That. I'll take that. I'll take that. No, no more, more, pity, no more points. pity points. I'll, I'll try and get my predictions yeah, in for send, the next one. Send them through or they're just going to be... More woefulness. It is. Bruce doesn't even use social media. He just sends a pigeon once a week and we still get his. <laughs> I should look into that. <laughs> anyway. Speaking of pigeons. Third place. A couple of pigeons <laughs> got taken out at Monaco. We didn't talk about that. But <laughs> there was a couple of pigeons that got absolutely minced up on the track. That, that's a really, really great photo of a Red Bull taking away their wings. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take some of them. Sorry, Andy. Third place. Third place is myself because I had Verstappen in first. There's one point. But I had Saints in second, so there's four points. So I'm on five. Wait, yeah, five. I had Russell in third, so that's six. But then I had Hamilton and Bottas in fourth and fifth, and they were nowhere near that. Thanks, thanks, Alonso. And I don't get bonus points because Charles didn't do what Charles does best. L plan. Charles should have fucking crashed. <laughs> Fuck you, Charles. Anyway, next on my list of people who came in second is Jack. Yes. Consistently second, aren't I? Well, we tied for second, mate. Wait, what? I think. Absolutely yeah. not, because I got bonus points. So you only had Verstappen in first, which is one. Yep. Checo in second, which is two. Sainz in third. Russell in fourth. Russell came fifth. So you're only on four points, and you get two bonus points because Charles didn't crash out. Who do I have you, in fifth? You had Bodass. Ah, oh, damn it. So you tied with me on six, so we came combined second. I'm happy with that. But did I win? The <laughs> round winner. Oh, I didn't know that. The round winner was Reese. Oh. Verstappen in one. One point. Hamilton in second, no points. Yeah. Charles in third. Another point. Russell in fourth. That's another point. And Science in fifth. That's four points. Plus the two bonus. Plus the two bonus. That's six. Hold up. I came equal first, motherfucker. You you guys came equal first, all three of you. (laughs) Fuck, I did my math wrong. Yes. (laughs) I had you at seven. I'm going to go home and make fucking... No, you don't. Now I have to go make the fucking graphic No, I just keep it. I'm happy. No, so Dave came last. We all tied. Yeah, I was thinking I didn't... Wait, so I only came last by one point because I got five pity bonus points? Yeah. (laughs) 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 This is a sham. This is a sham. I... Look. 
There's nothing more than I hate losing than sharing in victory. <laughs> and you just had to share victory with all three of us. Because we all tip terribly. Can we give... You know what? Can we give Reese a bonus point? Because I don't want to take away how excited that oh. man was to win. Can we just <laughs> let him have one extra for the win there? Please. <laughs> I, 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 you know what? I'll, I'll give him a quiz. If he oh. gets the question right... Oh. Okay, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, let's do it. High stakes. What is the name of the second last corner at Monaco? Oh. I think he's just trying to razz you up, man. No, it's a, it's, is it the swimming pool? Or no. Or he's trying it? to razz oh, oh, okay. you, Here you up. Go. Here we go. I'll give you a multiple choice. Yes, okay. Okay. I'm not Monaconese. Monogascan. <laughs> Monogascan. <laughs> oh, my God. Your choices are Sandovot, mm-hmm. Tabac, mm-hmm. the Novel Chicane, or Raskaz. It's either Raskaz or the other one. I'm going to go Raskaz. You're correct. Yes. Raskaz is the second last one, and then there's another name for the last turn onto the thing. I had to look that up last Anthony Noakes? I think it's something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure no, it's like I always thought that was Raskaz, the final turn. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I got corrected last night. So yeah, there you yeah. go. Victory! Reese gets he wins. victory. He wins. All right, gentlemen, I guess we should probably wrap up then, shouldn't we? Maybe. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. If you haven't followed us on social media, please do. We're at Formula Bums everywhere, except on Twitter. We're at Bums Formula, which we're actually being a lot more active on these days. So Yeah, Jack was killing it last night with his memes. I just pretty much went out there and tried to shit stir as much people as I can. <laughs> I got a lot of likes on a post where I mentioned that we should just get the water slide out and race down that and see who wins. But thank you very much, guys. I think that's all we need to wrap up for this week. Hey, thanks, guys. When's our next podcast? Uh, next one after this one will come out next Thursday and it will be the Baku Grand uh, preview. Excellent. Sounds good. Catch us then. Thanks, guys. See ya. See ya. G'day and welcome to Formula Bums. This week, what what are you doing, Andy? Did I fuck it up? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you just let your head back like I was just I getting started speaking zone. and he just went, <laughs> Relax. That's all right. It's been a tense weekend. Give us, give us a couple seconds of quiet. I'll get myself back together. That's our first outro ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> straight, <laughs> into straight into it. Straight in with an outro. <laughs>